The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. So today, as we dig into the Word, um, I want to take a moment this morning, as I was praying this week about what to talk about, what to communicate on this weekend, I couldn't help but think, you know, as we honor fathers, I think one of the great things that we can do today is, is, is for me to honor the Father God for you. And, and, and in order to do that, I want to introduce you to God as a father in a way that maybe you've never seen him before and help you really have a full understanding of who God is as a father. One, so that you can relate to him the way he wants to relate with you. And two, uh, so that you as a father, or maybe you as uh, a mother who's having to play the role of, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be a father in the life of a child, or, ex- or to, to be that example, what it looks like to carry that mantle out. And I think one of the greatest compliments I could ever receive is that someday when uh, my children are grown and they leave the, 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 the care of me fathering them and raising them in my home, is that they would come back and say to me, I want to be like you. I remember when my son Gus was born, my first child, I remember just kind of thinking while Sarah was pregnant with him, and even after he was born, just kind of thinking, man, I, I, I want to be like my dad to this kid because my dad did a great job, and so I want, to, I want to represent my father well. I want you to know God the Father wants you to represent him well. And it's possible that you can Uh, But in order to do it, you need to know who God the Father is as a father. So I want to help you to see that today. Uh, So last week, we we finished a series where we talked about prayer. And by the way, didn't David Terry do such a great job last week? So proud of David. I don't know where he was in here for the prayer, and then he left, I guess. Okay, but anyways, I'm proud of him. He's such an amazing man of God. We were talking this week. Whenever he came to the church and was started leading worship here at New Song, I think he was just 19 or 20 years old, just a baby. And to see what God has done in his life over the last several years and the man of God he's become and the communicator that he's become and the worship leader that he's become, I'm so honored that God chose to allow him to be my worship leader and that he put him on my heart years ago. David, I'm proud of you, even though you're not in here. Somebody else can tell him that I said this, okay? But... <laughs> But last week, we ended this series where we were talking about prayer. And in week two of the series, Sarah talked about uh, this model prayer that Jesus gave us. His disciples came to him. They said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, you're to pray like this. And he gave them a model of prayer. And he started off this model prayer by communicating to them how they are to relate to their father. So let's look at this again. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus said this to his disciples. When you pray, pray like this, our Father, everybody say, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven is what Jesus said. And so, you know, Sarah talked about how significant and how massive of a statement this was. And and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I do want you to get, like, this was earth-shattering to the people of the day. Like, God to them was this unrelatable deity, distant figure that they couldn't even connect with individually. In order to connect with God, they had to go through someone else. And only one person could connect with God and speak on behalf of God. But now Jesus is saying, no, 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 here's how you approach God. You approach a father in heaven. And actually, when Jesus says he's our father, he actually uses this word Abba to communicate who the father is. Now, that word Abba 
um, actually was a term of endearment used by the Hebrew children, like Hebrew toddlers would say this, and it was a term of endearment, it was a, te- it was a term of relationship, it was a term of, of love. It was, it was similar to the term that we teach our little kids when they're learning how to speak, and we teach them, hey, that's your dada. That's kind of what Abba meant. So get this, Jesus is going, here's how you're to relate to God. You're to relate to God by praying this way, our dada who art in heaven. That's what Jesus says. So what Jesus is saying is you're to relate to God the Father like a little child relates to a good father. This was mind-numbingly crazy for the people of the day. But I want you to know this is still the heart of God for you today, that you would relate to God like a little child relates to a father. If you take a note, jot this down. God is my father. God is my Father, and that word my, I want you to underline it. I want you to circle it. I want you to put stars around it. I want you to make this personal today. God is not just a father. God is not just the father. God wants to be your father, your personal Abba, your dada. He wants that kind of relationship with you today. And because of Jesus, that's possible. Here's what the Bible says in John 1 verse 12. It says, but to all who believed him, that's talking about Jesus, So they believed in Jesus and accepted him, accepted Jesus and what he did, accepted the finished work of the cross. He gave them the right, the right, it's a right, it's a privilege to become children of God. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you have the right to connect with God. You're a child of God and you have the right to connect with God from this perspective of a little child connecting to a good father. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 4.6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, into your hearts crying out, look at this, Abba, Father. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in your life, who Jesus said the Holy Spirit was going to be your helper, he was going to lead you and guide you in all truth, one of the roles in his life is to remind you that, hey, you are a child of God, God is your Father, and you are to relate to him like a little child relates to a good father. Now, when Jesus made this statement, it was intended to be a statement that would propel people forward into a connection with God. That, that this statement would be something that based on a relationship that we have with a good earthly father, when we hear God as our father, because of the good earthly father relationship we've had, we would now be attracted to and run to Father God the way we're supposed to. But what happens is very often, people have experiences with fathers that are, let's just say, less than perfect. They have experiences with earthly fathers, and based on those experiences, they then begin to see God, the Father, through the lens of the experiences that they've had, and instead of being propelled toward God, they're actually repelled away from God. See, here's the thing about life. Our experiences tend to shape our perception. The experiences that we have in life tend to kind of shape the way we perceive things, the way we see things, the way we see people, the way we see uh, experiences and opportunities. For example, let me, get, let me illustrate this for you. I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine that you've never ever in your whole life had a hamburger before or a cheeseburger. Any hamburger people in the house this morning? 
Any cheeseburger people in the house this morning? Any people that don't like a cheeseburger, they would prefer a hamburger? Okay, a couple of you, I don't understand you. <laughs> I really don't. I don't, <laughs> like, what's not to like? Cheese. Like, cheese, really? Okay, whatever. Anyway, no judging, no judging. I, I guess I am judging, but no judging, okay. <laughs> but I want you to imagine, for just a moment, you've never had a burger before. Like, I don't know what your situation was. Let's just say... Uh, you, your parents were doomsday preppers and they raised you in an underground bunker, okay? And so your whole life has been lived in a bunker. And because of that, you have not been able to connect with other people, with other experiences. Like the closest thing you've ever had to a hamburger is a spam burger. Like, you know, yeah, right? Not good. But there comes a day you turn 18 years old and now you've been given the right, you know, in your family. Hey, if you want to leave, I, we don't know what to, it's apocalypse out there. But if you want to leave, you can go out into the world. And so you're like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to risk it. And I'm going to move into the modern world. And you leave the confines of the bunker to move into what is modern society. You move into the world that we now know. And as you move into this world, you're discovering all of these new things. And one of the things that you come across is this, this thing called the burger, the cheeseburger. And you're seeing you know, billboards for this. And you're seeing restaurants that are committed fully to this. And it becomes very clear, like this is something that people in modern society do. People like to cheeseburger. And so I'm going to cheeseburger. I got to give this a shot. I got to try this. And so you're, you're kind of trying to figure out, okay, how do I go about this? Well, there's this place I keep seeing all over the place. Like it seems like it's everywhere. It's on about every street corner. Their sign says that millions and billions have been served so they must be the best at this. This place is called McDonald's. <laughs> Some of you are cringing right now because we all know that's not the best burger in the world. But you don't know any better. You've never had a burger before. You're, you're new at this. So, so you decide, okay, this must be the best, so I'm going to go to McDonald's. And so you go to McDonald's. Now, it just so happens that the McDonald's you go to, not only is it McDonald's, but it's not a good McDonald's. Like, it's not ran very well. Like, the management isn't good. The way they run it is not good. Like, it's kind of gross and nasty. And so you go to this McDonald's, and you go in, and you're ordering your cheeseburger. This is your first experience with a cheeseburger. You order it, and then you sit down, and you begin to eat this cheeseburger, fries, and you get a soda. But it's nasty. Because it's been sitting under a heat lamp for like three hours. And so it's all dried out and the bun is like hard, you know, like corners of it are like hard. And, and like even your fries are like greasy and oily and even the soda's flat. Like everything is bad. So guess what? You walk away from that experience, your experience cheeseburgering, and you say, that was not very good. I, I don't like cheeseburgers. Why? Because your experience has now shaped your perception. And so now, because of that experience, even if someone comes up to you and they're like, hey, man, let's go grab a burger sometime, you're going to be like, uh, how about something else? I don't really like burgers. And they're going to be like, you don't like burgers? You don't want to get a burger? No, I've, I've been to McDonald's. I didn't like it. And they're like, whoa, hey, well, yeah, okay, let's go somewhere good. Like, you know, and I, and I don't know, I've, I've said different places and different services and people just get, it's funny how people are just into their burgers. Like, so, so let's say you take them to Nick's or you take them to Tucker's or you take them to Garage, whatever floats your boat, but you take them somewhere you like to go that has a good burger and they go there and it completely changes everything. Why? Because their experience has shaped their perception and now that they've had a good experience, it, it, it totally changes everything. Now, here, here's my point. 
Jesus says we're to relate to God like a child relates to a father. But if you've had, a, if you've had some experiences with a father that were not very good, that may be shaping your perception and even forming the way you, you, see, you see God. See, I'll, everybody in here, you've all been influenced by a father. Every one of you. And that may be good, but it also might be bad. Like maybe today you had a father that was not a good dad. He was vindictive and angry and mean. Maybe he was abusive, maybe verbally abusive, maybe physically abusive, maybe sexually abusive. And so now you hear God as a father and, and you just relate fatherhood to that. And that doesn't propel you towards God. Maybe today, you know, your father wasn't that. He wasn't like that extreme. But maybe your dad was just a strict disciplinarian. He was real hard and mean. And it was kind of like he just, you know, you felt like you lived your life like he was just waiting to bring down the hammer on you. And so now you, you kind of kind of view God through that lens. It's like God is up in heaven with his finger above the smite button just waiting to punch it and hit you with a lightning bolt. Maybe your dad wasn't that, but maybe your dad, you know, was just absent. Maybe your dad passed away. Maybe your dad was just not in the picture. Maybe he chose to leave or he chose to never really accept you. And so now you kind of filter your view of God through that lens of like, Maybe God doesn't really care about me. Or maybe your dad was around, but, and he took good care of you. Like, he provided for you. He was a good provider, but he never provided, like, a relationship. You got, you got what his, his production could create, but you didn't get him. And so now that's kind of how you process God. Like, God, you know, God will provide for me, but God doesn't really want me to have him. Or maybe you had an awesome dad, a great dad. I had a great dad. Have a great dad. Uh, my dad wasn't perfect because no father is, but, you know, about as close as I could imagine. But here's what I want you to understand this morning. No matter what your situation, no matter what your influence with a father may have been, whether it was really bad, whether it was okay, whether it was good, maybe it was great, whatever the case may be, listen to me, look at me, look at me. I want you to know something, and I can say this with complete confidence. My dad is better than your dad. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about my earthly father. I'm talking about my heavenly father. And I want you to know, my heavenly father, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, he's your heavenly father. He's your dad too. And he, listen, there's no comparison between him and any earthly father. The best father in all of human history doesn't even come close, not even close to who Father God is and who he wants to be in your life. Jesus said it like this. Look at this. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, What man among you, verse 9, What man among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? So Jesus is kind of talking some kind of just decent, basic behavior, you know, decent human being stuff here. Like, if you're a good parent and your child comes to you asking for something good, you're not going to give them something like terrible, something lame. Like your kid comes to you and they want some bread, you're, you're not going to Charlie Brown them and give them a rock. Like that's a bad dad. Or if your child comes to you and they want a fish, <laughs> which is awesome. That would be a fun day. Can I have a fish, dad? Sure. 
here's some goldfish. That's about all I can do. But what would be really bad is if they ask for a fish and I give them a cobra. Like, no, here's, I don't have a fish, but here's a poisonous cobra. Enjoy. Like, have fun. That's bad parenting, okay? That's bad fatherhood right there. Jesus is saying a good dad, no good dad would do that, right? Basic, you know, decent human being behavior. Then he goes on to say this, verse 11. If you then, being evil, <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in, who is in heaven talking about God, give good gifts to those who ask him. So at the beginning of this, it sounds kind of like God is, you know, insulting us a little bit, right? If you then being evil, really, it's not that he's saying you're evil. What he's actually saying is the best version of a father, the best version of a parent compared to who God is, is considered evil in comparison. It's kind of like this. Imagine that you have a a child that is a third grade baseball phenom. I mean, they are incredible at baseball. The best, they're the, they're the best third grade baseball player in the state of Oklahoma. The best third grade baseball player in, in America. Like, they're that awesome. They're incredible. As incredible as they may be. Compared to Mike Trout, they're garbage. You tracking with me this morning? I'm not saying that they're garbage, they're, they're good. But compared to Mike Trout, who plays for the Los Angeles Angels, who's one of the best baseball players, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday, he's an incredible, like, phenom major league baseball player. Compared to him, they're garbage. In the same way, listen, the best father in all of human history compared to Father God is considered evil. It's not that you're evil. It's that God's that much better. And listen, the difference between a third grade phenom and Mike Trout is nowhere near the same distance, the same gap as between the best father who has ever existed in human history and God the Father. Because listen, God the Father is perfect. He's perfect in his love. He's perfect in his care. He is perfect in all of his ways. And that Father God is your dada and wants you to relate to him from that perspective. And that's why Jesus said this. He says in Matthew 6, 9, he says, pray like this. Relate to God from this perspective. Our Father, so he's our, he's our dad, but he also says, but he's in heaven. Meaning this, he's on a whole nother level. Don't relate to him like necessarily you relate to your earthly father. He's that much better. So God is this incredible father. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this information once we know it? Two things. Here's the first one. We're to approach God like a child approaches a good father. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to see him as a good father, and he wants you to approach him like a, like a child would approach a good father. Jesus talked about this over and over again in the Bible, that really kingdom living is living from the perspective that God is our father, and we are a child of God, and we relate to him that way. Matthew 18 says it like this, verse 2. Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted. Notice that word converted. It means changed. It means transformed. It means something's got a shift in you. Unless you're changed and become as a little child. Not in like you actually become a little kid, but in your, in your character, in your nature, in your approach to God. Become as a little child. You will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You want a kingdom living? It's from the perspective that God is a father and I am a child of God. Yeah. 
He goes in the next chapter, Matthew 19, verse 14. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom living is lived when we relate to God from a childlike perspective. Now notice, I didn't say from a childish perspective. I said a childlike perspective. God's not, Jesus has not given you permission to act childish in your behavior. He's telling you to act childlike in your approach, in your position to who God is and who he wants to be in your life. See, you need to be converted. You need to be transformed. You need to transform your thinking and recognize the new position you now have through Jesus Christ that allows you to relate to God as a young child relates to a good father. You guys tracking with me this morning? So, so how does a little child who has a good father relate to that child? Well, let's, let's walk through it a little bit. When a little child who has a good father is afraid, what do they do? They run to their father. And they lift their hands to their father. And what does their father do? He picks them up. And he brings them into his care. And they find peace and they find protection in the loving arms of a father who they've reached out to. And when a child who has a loving father is confused, what do they do? They crawl up into the lap of their father and they ask questions. And they seek the direction and guidance of a father who's willing to give it to him because he is a good father. When a child who has a good loving father is frustrated, what do they do? They, they reach out and they call upon the name of their father and they invite their father into whatever it is that they find themselves in that's frustrating them so that their father can step into it and bring his strength and his power and his ability into that situation to walk them through it. When a child who has a good father needs something or wants something, they go to their father and what do they do? They just ask. One of the things I've learned about my kids, man, they will ask me for stuff. <laughs> They know. Go to dad. Hey, dad, I need some new shoes. Hey, dad, can I get a candy bar? Hey, dad, can we go to main event? They come to me and they ask me for stuff. Why? Because I'm dad. And because they relate to me from a perspective that I am a provider based on my wisdom and my resources. That's how they relate to me. Now, here's the reality. As an earthly father, there's limitations to my wisdom. There's limitations to my resources. Like my, my bank account, it has an end. My knowledge, it has an end. But you know what a greater reality is that you need to recognize this morning? Your father God, his wisdom is without an end. His wisdom is perfect. And his resources for you are endless. What if, church, what if we really learn to relate to our God that way? Our father from that perspective. That he's for me and loves me and wants to help me. And I can call upon him and ask for things and invite him into my situation. And he wants to be with me in that. When a child who has a loving father needs to go somewhere, what do they do? They go to their dad. Hey, dad, can we go here? And if dad says yes, then they get in the car and they're along for the ride. Like when my kids were little, and, we, and I, like, let's say I'm going to take them to Chuck E. Cheese. Guys, we're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. They just get in the car and just be along for the ride. Something has happened though in the last few years. For some reason, they have begun to question my navigation skills over the past few years. Every time we go anywhere, they're always going, Dad, is this the right way to go? Are you sure this is the turn? Is it? I think you're going the wrong. Dad, why is this taking so long? They didn't do that when they were little. Somewhere, I have to remind them constantly, look back at them and say, hey guys, have I ever let you down? Have I ever said I'm going to take you somewhere and I failed you in it? No, I haven't. 
But, but, but when they were little, man, they were just, they were cool. They knew, they knew. Their dad said he was going to take them there, so I trust him, and I just, I'm along for the ride. And you know what? Sometimes they'd even fall asleep on the way there. They were that relaxed. They were that at peace. What if we were converted? What if we were really converted? And we began to believe that what our father, when he says he's going to take us somewhere, that we can trust he's going to take us somewhere. And we don't have to be sitting there going, God, are you sure this is the right way to go? I, are you sure? You're you going to go left here? I, was, I mean, I was thinking straight, but God, are you sure about this? This feels like it's taking a little bit longer than it was supposed to, God. Are you sure this is the right way? What if, church, we really came to believe that our Abba, Father, our Dada, has got our back, and we just sat along knowing that he's going to lead us to the promises that he made for us, and we can just chill and relax and be comforted knowing he'll get us there. When a child who has a good father feels lost, what do they do? They call out to their father. And what does their father do? He comes to them. And he, he finds them in their place of lostness. And he pulls them out of it and brings them home to a place of safety. That's what a good father does with his children. That's what God wants to do for you. And, and I want you to know something. A, a young child, like, they don't do any of this based on performance. Like children, little children, they're not worried about their performance. They could give a rip. They're not wondering, like, I wonder if I've been good enough today to deserve the help and protection and safety of my father. They don't care. They just recognize their position. That's my dad. See that guy over there? That's my, that's my dad. I belong to him. He belongs to me. And so if I need something, I go to him. If I want something, I go to him. If I've got a problem, I look to him. And so he's there. He's got me. So now I'm going to go play. That's how kids live. That's how we're called to live. God, you're right there, and you're watching me, and you got my back, and you care about me, and you're mine, and I'm yours. So if I need something, I can go to you. If I want something, I can call upon you. If I find myself in a frustrating situation, I can, I can run to you. And so now I'm going to go play, knowing that you got my back. That's the Father that we serve. Isn't that awesome? The Bible says this in 1 John 4, 4. It says, little children, talking about believers, dear ones, you are of God and belong to him, and have all ready. It's already been done. You've already become, overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist. Because he who is in you is greater than he, Satan, who is in the world of sinful mankind. So we are to live from there. Somebody say, my dad, my dad. is better than your dad. So church, we got to approach him from that perspective. Approach God as a father who loves his children. Here's number two. And this is... For you who are fathers here today, this is pointed directly at you, or maybe for some of you who are maybe a single mom who is raising children without a father in the picture, I want you to know I, I, I firmly believe that God can work a miracle and use you to be an example of the Father God in the life of your children still and surround you with people who can step in and play that role that they'll still be able to see and connect with Father God through you. But, but here's the thing, if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna fulfill this role as a father, or as a parent, here's what you got to do. you got to approach fatherhood with God as your example. So we're to approach fatherhood. Well, we said fatherhood's a big deal, right? It's important. We need to step up in this. See, as a father, listen, God has called us, fathers, to raise sons and daughters who become overcomers in this world. But the problem is far too often... Because it's not done the right way, instead of raising kids who overcome the world, we, be, we raise children who have to overcome bad upbringings. 
They have to overcome the ways that we didn't raise them to see the Father God the right way. See, here, here, here's how it works. As a father, as a parent, you're either creating and building a bridge or you're creating and building a barrier. See, you're supposed to create a bridge with your children as a father that your children can walk across that, that leads them closer to the image and the character and the nature of God so that there's a handoff between you and, and the Father God so that you connect them and draw them close so they're not repelled from the heart of God. They're, they're propelled toward the heart of God. But so often because people don't step up and understand how to do this, we end up building barriers that actually block the image of God from being seen by our children, that later on in life, if they're going to relate to God the right way, they're going to have to tear down that wall, that barrier, and find a way to climb over it. You're either building a barrier or you're building a bridge. So how do we build a bridge? Well, here's how you do it. You model your fatherhood after Father God. So I want to give you 10 characteristics of the Father God that we're to model our fatherhood after. Here's the first one. God, as a loving father, is loving. He's loving. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God is a loving father. And he is, his love is on display. His love is evident. Love is not just something God does. Love is who God is. It's obvious that he is love. Fathers, my question is, in the life of your children, is it obvious that you love them? Is it obvious that you love them no matter what? Is the love that you display for them, is it a love that says, I love you because you're mine, not because you perform perfectly, but because you belong to me? And one of the things I, I try to do with my children is to train them to understand in life there's going to be times they do well. There's going to be times that they fall short. But no matter what the case is, dad loves you no matter what. And if I could line up every child in this world, I'm going to pick you every time. That's culture in our home. That's culture that we're creating. Our children know they're loved. I say it to them. We speak it over them. I hug them. I lay kisses on them. I let my kids know they are loved by their father. How are you doing with that, dads? Are you loving your children? Is it on display where they can see it like the father displays his love for his children? As a, as, God, as a father, God, as a perfect father, he is caring. 1 Peter 5, 7 says that you can cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. God is caring. So you know what that means? He cares about what you care about. The things that matter to you matter to him. That's why we say here at New Song Church, if it matters to you, it matters to God. That, that statement was actually born out of something that I hap happened to me when I was doing children's ministry years ago. We had a service where we invited these children to come down at the end of a service to pray over things that they were struggling with, fears that they were dealing with. And so at the end of the service, I said, if you have a, if you have a need, come on down. Our, we're going to have altar ministers down here in children's ministry. And we, just so you know, we do this in our children's ministry. Come on down. We'd love to pray for you. And so I get down on my knee to meet this little boy who comes down. He's got his little cowboy belt on. This is in, in, in Dallas. He's got some boots on, and he comes down. I was like, all right, buddy, what, what are you dealing with? What's the fear you're struggling with? And he looks at me. He goes, chickens. <laughs> and I did like that. At first, I was kind of like, oh, you know, kind of trying to chick it. Like, chickens? What? <laughs> and then when I did, I started to kind of laugh about it. I felt like the Holy Spirit just arrest me. And he said, don't you make this feel unimportant to him. 
And so I laid my hands on that little boy and I prayed for this fear of chickens to be gone in his life. But see, here's the thing. I think sometimes our our children come to us and they have cares. And it's easy for us based on our position in life sometimes to look at their cares and say, oh, it's not really that big a deal. It's not really that important. But I want you to think about something. Does God treat you that way? When you come to God with your cares, a lot of times in the grand scheme of things, you think that the world is hinging on that prayer request? Probably not. And yet God never makes you feel like, oh man, I got a lot going on right now. I get here, yeah, you'll be fine, whatever. If it matters to you, it matters to God, right? So listen, if it matters to your child, you better act like it matters to you. You better get in their world and pray with them about that. Because here's the problem. If you don't do that, you're going to create children who come to believe mom and dad don't really care about what's going on in my life. So I won't bring them the cares of my life. And that's a dangerous place. We want to create bridges. Bridges so that they come to us with their needs and their cares. God is caring. Fathers, are you caring? Parents, are you caring? God is a perfect father is committed Hebrews 13.5 says that God will never leave us or forsake us. God is committed to you. He's shown how committed to you. He was willing to die for you. That's God. He's that committed to you. You need to express your commitment. Your kids need to see your commitment to them. You, You know some of the ways that they see your commitment? Is if you're married, show a commitment to their mama. Fathers, how committed are you to their mom? Do you, do you express that commitment in a way? Like, our, ladies, get ready to amen me here, okay? It's going to be good. Are you committed enough to do the laundry? Amen? Are you, are you fathers, are you committed enough to help with the dishes? Are you committed enough to do whatever it takes to make this work and to serve mom? Are you committed, fathers, are you committed to the church? Or is it just convenient? When it's convenient, it'll work. Like, Oh, it's raining today, you know. We'll go next week. Well, you know, it's baseball tournament season, so the next six weeks we're not going to be in church on the weekend. Listen, I get every once in a while missing a weekend for a game or something like that, but this stuff where people miss weeks upon weeks, guess what? Everything you're doing with your children teaches them something. Everything preaches. So what you're teaching your children is, my commitment to God's pretty good, but we're also we're more committed to this than that. Is that what you want to do? I'm preaching good this morning. <laughs> God is committed. Are you committed? Do you express your commitment to them? Do you keep your word? Do you, do you show up when you say you'll show up? Do you do what you'll say you do? Even when you're tired and you said, hey, I'll play catch with you when I get home. But you had a rough day at work. You get home and they're standing there with a glove. Let's play catch. Uh, I'm tired. You didn't keep your word. Get your butt out there and play catch. Be a good father. Be committed. Here's the next one. God is focused. God is a good father is focused. Romans 8.35, you are his priority. What can separate us from the love of God? I want you to know, you have the attention of God today. He's, he's watching you. He's focused on you. You know, summertime right now and in the blunt home in the summertime, we do a lot of swimming. And when we go swimming, all of my kids have gone through these different phases, but now it's my seven-year-old daughter. And when she goes swimming, uh, she wants me to pay attention to her. Dad, watch this cannonball. Yeah, that was, that was great. Hey, Dad, watch this cannonball. That was a good one, too. 
Dad, watch this. Cannonball. Yep. Like it. Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a backflip. Watch this. It just wants my attention all the time. Why? Because she recognizes that there's times that my attention is not focused on her. Like there's times that my attention is focused on mom. There's times that my attention is focused on the other kids. There's times at the pool that my attention is focused on. I just want to be at the pool relaxing. <laughs> but, but she wants my attention because I'm not perfect in my attention span. But listen, that's not how your God is. As a father, he's not like so busy with the world that his attention gets pulled off of you and you have to be like, hey God, are you paying attention here? Are you noticing what's going on right now? The Bible says in Luke 12 that he's numbered the hairs on your head. He's numbered the hairs. Now, we, we think of that as sometimes like he just knows the sum total of all the hairs on our head. No, no, no. He's numbered the individual hairs of your head have been numbered by him. So listen, God knows this morning that when you were getting ready, hair number 57, hair number 3,621, hair number 31,582 all fell out while you were brushing your hair. He knows that this morning, that hair number 86, hair number 245, hair number 56,721 are a little bit grayer than they were yesterday. He knows what's going on. He is paying attention. You have his attention. He knows you better than you know you. He's watching over you. We're not trying to get your, capture his attention. His attention is on you. He's not so busy with the world that he's lost track of what's going on with you. My question is, as a father, are you paying attention? Are you paying close attention to your children? Are you focused on them like you should be? God as a perfect father is engaged. Hebrews 12 verse 5 says he trains the ones he loves. Listen, God wants to work with you in life. You know, when Jesus showed up on the scene, what they said about Jesus was he is now God with us. That's one of the reasons why Jesus came, so God could be with us. Through, through Jesus, we can now have the Holy Spirit who is God with us all the time. God wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to lead you and guide you and direct you so that you're better tomorrow than you are today. He, he wants to engage with you that way. God as a perfect father is gracious. Psalms 86 verse 5, You, O Lord, are good and forgiving and abounding in steadfast love. God is a gracious God. He's a gracious father. You know what that means? That means that he's fun to be around. He's pleasant. Like you're not walking on eggshells with him. Yes, he's the king of kings and lord of lords, but he doesn't ask you to approach him that way. Like, oh God, no, no, no. He's like, approach me like a child. A child will just approach you. Like I remember my kids were little. They'd approach me with food all over themselves. They didn't care. They were, making a, they were a mess and they got a mess all over me. They don't care. I'm dad. They just run into my arms. That's how God wants you to approach him. And he's fun. Are you fun as a father? Are you having fun with God? Is your relationship with God, are you having a good time? You should be. God's a fun God. God made fun. You need to enjoy God. Doesn't mean everything in life is going to be perfect, but God's fun. God is good. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, plans of good and not of evil. God is good, and his intentions for you are good. And so, here, but understand this. As a good dad, he's a good dad. So as a good dad, listen, if you have children, you know, being a good dad doesn't just mean I give them what they want all the time. Being a good dad means sometimes I say, no. Being a good dad means sometimes I say, not yet. I have a 13-year-old, I have a 10-year-old, I have a 7-year-old. All of them have access to vehicles in our home. None of them are allowed to drive. 
Why? Because they will kill themselves and they will kill other people because they're not prepared for that. They're not ready to drive a car. They don't understand how it works. They haven't been trained in it. As a good dad, I would be a bad dad if I handed over the keys to the car to my seven-year-old. That's bad dadding. Can be honest with you, church? I'm concerned. Because I'm seeing stuff that's taking place in the world right now that, that, that's concerning. And one of the things that concerns me is the access we're giving kids to digital devices. Can I be real with you for a minute? We're, giving, we're handing over with no barriers, no parental protection to our kids, devices that give them access to some of the most horrific things in the world. What are you thinking? This in the hand of a child who doesn't know how to use it, it's a weapon that can destroy them, do damage to their minds that they're going to have to recover from in their life. But, but they, all the other kids have it. So? We're aliens, right? We're not of this world. We, we, we got to be, sometimes as a parent, we say no. We're not going to be like everybody else. And that's okay. Yeah. But we're going to prepare them. We're going to get them trained so that they can handle it. When they're ready to handle it, then they can have it. And even after we give it to them, we're going to have some strict boundaries. Listen, in our house, it gets turned in every night. Once they get one, they don't even have one yet. Once they get it, it's going to get turned in every night. And they're also going to understand, Dad's has lots of boundaries on it. Dad's, does, I, I, you know, on my phone, I don't have internet access. Why? Because it's dangerous. I've struggled with that stuff in the past. So of course I'm going to be careful with this. And of course I'm not going to hand over to this my children. And, and if they're struggling with this, listen, it's time to say no. Because you love them, say no. You tracking with me today? God is good. Sometimes good says no. Sometimes good says wait. God is a good God. And as a perfect father, he's a disciplinarian. Hebrews 12, 6 says that the Lord disciplines. Look at these next words. The ones he loves. You say, oh, Pastor Josh, I'm, I'm nailing this one. I can discipline. Okay, my question is, are you disciplining like God? From a perspective of love and from a perspective, this is how God disciplines, from a perspective of love and from a perspective of clarity. He doesn't discipline from, well, you finally crossed the line, you made me mad enough, and so now, smite button. That's not how God works. God's clear. And, and the whole point of God's discipline is to bring us back into fellowship with Him and to course correct us when we're going in the wrong way. Is that how you are disciplining your children? God, as a perfect father, is generous. He's generous. Psalms 84 verse 11, No good thing will He uphold from them that walk uprightly. The key to that verse is no good thing. See, God knows what's a good thing and what's a bad thing. We're not talking about just give them everything they want, spoil them. We're talking about what's a good thing. Listen, the only way you can know if it's a good thing or not, sometimes, is to invite the Holy Spirit to show you. God always knows if it's a good thing. But listen, He's your Father, and He wants to partner with you. So He wants to speak to you as fathers, as mothers, to show you if this is a good thing or if this is a bad thing. That shouldn't be in your child's life. He's generous. Here's the last one. He's approachable. Psalms 138, verse 3. On the day I called... You answered me. God's approachable. 
And I think sometimes there's kind of a misconception when it comes to God, that God is approachable because Jesus made him approachable. But if it wasn't for Jesus, like God wouldn't really want anything to do with you. Like it's kind of like God's like, well, yeah, I, guess, I mean, Jesus, I guess what you did, I guess, yeah, you can come to, you know, come boldly to the throne of grace, I guess, for what he did. <laughs> no, listen, Jesus said this in the book of John, you know, a hundred times Jesus talked about God as the father. He was constantly pointing people, God, the father, God, the father, God, the father. He said, I came only to do the will of my father. So when you look at Jesus, you see the heart of the father, God on display. It's not like good cop, bad cop. <laughs> God's not the bad cop and Jesus is the good cop and together they make a good team. No, no, no. It's good cop, good cop. <laughs> it's loving cop, helpful cop all the time. God loves you and is for you. And through Jesus, there was a work done that made you acceptable to a perfect God. But now God gladly welcomes you into the throne room. That's why it says you can come boldly. He wants you to come boldly because he loves you and he cares about you. He's approachable. As a father, are you approachable? And let me ask you this. Can your kids approach you about this, the tough stuff? Like the stuff that maybe not all kids are approaching their fathers about. You know how you get them that way? You approach them about the tough stuff. Like in, my, in our house, one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to make the topics that some families would say are off limits, not off limits. Because I want my children to learn about stuff from us, not from the lunch table at school. So guess what that means? That means sometimes we bring up awkward conversation. And we talk about stuff like sex. And we talk about stuff like relationships. And we push a little bit. And we're teaching our kids, hey, you can talk to us about anything. Because if they learn that, then they will. And they won't learn stuff that has to be unlearned later. I hope, I hope, I hope you are getting a glimpse into the heart of Father God this morning. How amazing is it? How awesome is it that we serve a God who invites us to approach Him from this perspective? Like a little child would approach a perfect, good father. My dad is better than your dad. But my dad and your dad can be the same if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. And how awesome is it that as fathers, as parents, we get to represent that to our children. And we get to shape a generation. And not only a generation, but multiple generations. Yeah. Now, the Bible makes this really clear that God is the, it, it, He's the Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's generations. I look at my family today. My father helped shape me, helped shape my view of God. And now I get to shape the view of my children through Him. And it gets better and better and better with every generation. That's the intention here. So we, fathers, we have the chance to shape multiple generations. This will outlive you. Amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.